Welcome to the Bridge Podcast. We're going quick tonight, but man, I, I want to say again, I'm so excited just about the picture of, of obedience. We just saw people saying, hey, I've put my trust in Jesus. He is my Savior, and now I want to identify that to the world. And so um, when y'all see them later on, y'all tell them uh, just how amazing it is. Hey, listen, um, so from third grade through my sophomore year of college, I played basketball. I was a basketball player. Um, now, um, in high school, I was okay, pretty uh, decent, I guess. I don't know. And we play, but I played on a really good team, really, really, really good team. And the coach always had high expectations for three years. We really looked like we were in the hunt to like win a state championship. Uh, we never did. Um, cause that's how basketball goes sometimes. But, um, I was, so every summer approaching every summer in my high school years, I always had the exact same goal approaching the summer. The goal was this summer, I'm going to get into the best shape of my life. That was my goal. And so what I would do is I'm, I'm going to run distance to Im- improve my capacity to run. I'm going to run sprints to improve my speed and I'm going to lift weights all summer. I'm going to be in the best shape and I'm going to blow my coach. His name was Coach Young. I'm going to blow Coach Young's mind when I show up in the fall of just how fine of a physical specimen I had become over the summer. Now, you know where this is going, right? That was always the goal. Now, here's what would happen. I'd get into the summer. I've made the goal. I'm going to do all this. I had a plan, workout plan, all this kind of stuff. I'm going to do this after. This is what I would say to myself. I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do it after a break. I deserve a break. Just a break. One week break. And then after one week, I'm going to start working out real hard. But you know how that works, right? One week becomes two weeks, and two weeks becomes three weeks. And then at some point, I pick up a summer job, because I had to work in the summer. So I pick up a summer job, and then I say, well, okay, every, t- every day I get off of work, I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to work out, do other Never happened, right? So I go through the whole summer, and then finally, like, maybe in August, I'm like, oh, shoot, right, yeah, school, got to get back in shape. So I would try, but it was too late. And so what would end up happening is in the fall, we'd have our first, like, real deal practice, because we'd have practices year-round, um, you could only do after school practices later in the year. So at the beginning of the year is middle of the day practice. And the coach didn't care. He knew exactly what was going on. He would say in the first practice, everyone on the line, let's see who took care of business this summer. And he would just run the dog out of us for about 45 minutes. And within 20 minutes or so, I would be over at the trash can vomiting. And as I'm vomiting, because I'm not in shape, right? I'm not ready for what he's about to put me through. As I'm vomiting, of course, I'm thinking, why did I take a break? Why did I take a break? Because a break always, 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 this is true for me. I think it's true for a lot of us. Breaks derail us. Breaks almost always derail us, particularly when it's a spiritual break. Now, listen, look at the first part of that statement. Breaks always derail us. You know this is true. Many of you will be studying for a test and you'll put in a lot of work. And then you'll go, you know what? I deserve a break. I've been studying for a long time. And I'm just going to look at my phone, whatever thing, for 10 minutes, and then I'm right back to it. And then you come to two hours later and realize you've wasted two hours on your phone, right? Breaks derail. They just derail. That's what they do. 
or you'll be working on a project and some friend will call and go, hey, we're going to go eat. You got to eat anyway. So you go, you know what? I deserve a break, man. I've been working so hard. Yeah, I'm going to go out with my friends. It's only dinner. It's not going to be that long. I deserve this. And so you take a break. And then five hours later, you're like, shoot, I shouldn't have taken that break, right? Breaks derail us. And breaks always derail us, particularly when they are spiritual breaks. Here's the thing. I need to tell this to y'all, that I think all of you need a break. I will agree with that. You need a break. You do. Some of you have been really put in the grind this semester. I mean, you know, the whole year, I mean, you've just been beat up, chewed out. You've been working hard. It's been a crazy year anyways because of COVID and all the different stuff, and it's just hard. You need a break from reading. You need a break from studying. You need to turn your mind off for a little while. You need a break from cramming for stuff. You need a break. You should take a break in that regard, for sure. Some of you need relationship breaks. Some of you are like, I got to get away from these people that I call my friends. Like, I love them, but I got to get away for a little bit. You need a relationship break. Or maybe some of y'all like literally do have boyfriend, girlfriend. You're like, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder and we need some absence right now. Like, I just need to be away from you and get a break, right? Some of you need a break from this town. You need to, you're like, I just need to get out of here, right? I, I, Wichita Falls is driving me crazy. I need to get out of here. I need a break. Listen, I'm telling you this. Breaks in all of those areas are totally fine. Take the break. Take the break. You need it. But here's what I'm going to tell you. This is what happens to me. Maybe it doesn't happen to you. Maybe you're better than me, and I hope you are. Here's what I'm going to tell you. What always happens in my life is this. I go, I need a break in these areas, but in taking a break in those areas, I also take a break in my relationship with God. Let me fill you in some gaps for if you don't know this. In your own spiritual life, there is no neutral. There is no standstill. There is no, I just get to sit here for a while. It's either I'm moving forward and closer to God or I am going backwards. There is no standstill. And so if you approach this summer and we're really close to it now, we're a week or so out, right? Like you got finals next week and all that kind of stuff. If you approach summer and you go, hey, I need a break. Let me put all this stuff on the side. And also, by the way, let me put up my relationship with God. I'll come back to it. It's just a break. I'm going to tell you, it is so easy to drift away. It becomes increasingly easier to drift away because spiritual breaks always derail us over the long haul. I don't want you to be a student who has to come into my office in August crying because you go, over the course of this summer, I kind of drifted away and made some choices that now I'm having the pain of having to deal with. I don't want you to live that reality. Don't drift away. Now, here's the deal. Some of you believe in this whole idea of drifting away, taking a break. Some of you believe this about yourself. Tim, I would never drift away. I never drift away. I'm above drifting away. Maybe some of these people in this room, not me. I'll never drift away. And you might believe that for a number of different reasons, but I want to read a story to you from the Bible over four verses. That's it. A story in the Bible of a guy who believed, I'll never drift away. And you know what? He had good reason to believe it. This guy had really good reasons to believe he would never drift away. Here's his resume. First of all, he came from a really good family. His dad was David. In scripture, his dad is described as a man after God's own heart. Only used once. It was used for his dad. He had a good upbringing. Listen, a lot of people go, I'll never drift away. Look at the family I came from. I'll never drift away. Look at the family. He had a good family. 
The second thing is this. He had an unbelievable education, or at least a lot of knowledge. At one point in his life, God came to him and said, listen, I will give you anything you want, anything. List it. Military power, wealth, what do you want? List it. And this guy in his youth said, God, more than anything else, I need wisdom. And God was so unbelievably impressed with that, that he not only gave him all the wisdom he could handle, but he also gave him everything else that he didn't ask for. This guy was known as the wisest man on earth. So he not only had a great family upbringing, he had all this knowledge of God, all this wisdom, right? So he's like, I'll never drift away. Look at what I got going for me. Not only that, he had every resource imaginable at his fingertips. He became king of the country. This meant that anytime he needed a priest, anytime he needed a spiritual advisor, anytime he had a question, anytime that he needed anything, he would snap his fingers. People would show up, say, let me hear what's going on with you. I'll tell you what I think. He had resources. Listen, a person who goes, I came from a great family. I got all this knowledge about God and I got resources. Like they're going, I'll never drift. But beyond even all of that, he had one other thing. He was the first man to actually build a temple to God. Up until this time, the temple had been kind of a movable structure, but this man built what we would call like a mega church. Like he built a mega church, a huge temple to God. What I'm saying to you is this man had a great family upbringing. He had a lot of knowledge. He had all the resources he could ever possibly need. And ready? He had accomplished things for God in his past. The people who often think I'll never drift have some combination of that. I come from a good stock. I got all this knowledge because I've been in church for a long time. I have resources available to me. I know the pastor. I hang in, you know, I call him up or I can call up my friends or I have a home group, whatever it is. And shoot, I've even served in church. I've even done stuff for God. I'll never drift. This guy thought the exact same thing. He took a break. I'll never drift. And then he drifted away. And his story of how he drifted away is recorded in four verses. And here's the point of why it was recorded. It was recorded so that you and I would read it and realize this. If he can drift, his name was Solomon. If Solomon can drift, every single one of us in this room can drift. The, the story comes from 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 4. Here's what it says. As Solomon grew old. We're just going to pause for one second. I'm going to ask what sounds like an incredibly stupid question. Okay, bear with me. It sounds really dumb. As Solomon grew old, here's my question. How long does it take to grow old? That's a dumb question, isn't it? Because you would first need to say, well, define old. What is old, Tim? Tell me what you define old as. If you tell me old is 80 years old, then it takes 80 years to grow old, right? If you wanted to get real nitpicky and specific and complicated in your answer, you would say just define old. But here's the simplest answer. How long does it take to grow old? It takes your life, day by day, right? One day leads into another day, which leads into another day, which leads into another day. And all those days, you don't feel any change in yourself. You don't realize it, but slowly, so, so slowly, you can't even see it. Imperceptibly, you are growing old. Now, here's the deal. I know none of y'all believe that because you're 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, whatever. You're in your 20s or late teens. So you don't feel I'm growing old. I, I, I know that because I sat in your seats and I know I never felt like I was growing old, but I promise you this, snap your fingers and you'll be in your mid-30s. I can tell you that only because I've made the journey. It happens that fast. Listen, one day you wake up and you realize, man, a lot of days have been strung together. 
I grew old. But notice, here's, here's why I point this out. It's imperceptible. Y'all think that I'm an old guy. I don't feel like an old guy. It's just slowly but surely, it just slowly happens. Now watch what happens as he grows old. This will be the last part of the verse. As Solomon grew old, his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. So as Solomon grew old, two things were happening simultaneously. Number one, he didn't realize comprehend or could, could even see that he was actually growing old because growing old is this imperceptible stretching. You don't even know that it's, it's happening until you wake up one day and you go, ow. Happening, something else was happening, something that was very slow and imperceptible. He couldn't see it happening. If you didn't looked at him one day and then the next, you'd have never known that something significant happened that day. And that is this, his heart started to turn away from God and it was so slow and so imperceptible that he didn't even know it was happening. As Solomon grew old, he didn't see that coming. His heart turned. He thought, I'll never drift away. And by the end of his life, his heart had drifted away, was not fully devoted. And you go, well, what happened? What happened to him? Well, I've left out the middle part of this verse. I gave you the first part, the last part. Here's the middle part. Here's the whole verse. Ready? First Kings eleven four. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David, his father had been. Now I'm gonna tell you right now, this message is not about dating or dating Christians, although it certainly you could use this passage to talk about dating or marrying people who share your faith because they will certainly steer your heart away from God ultimately. But that's not the point of this message. The point is the process because the process that happened to him can happen to you, particularly if you take a break. His wives turned his heart and you go, well, golly, how many wives did the guy have? Well, if you look at verse three, we'll back up one verse. Here's how many wives Solomon had. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines and his wives led him astray. Solomon was doing some work, okay? 700 wives, 700 wives, 300 concubines, a thousand women, right? They slowly but surely turned his heart. As he was growing old, doesn't realize I'm growing old. As my heart's turning, don't realize my heart's turning. It's so imperceptible that I can't even see it change from one day to the next, but just as sure as you would bet, it was changing slowly but surely. Now, why on earth did Solomon have so many women? Why? Why do that? Well, the explanation comes in verse one and verse two, ready? Here's verse one. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughters, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. You know, that doesn't explain anything. Well, think about it this way. Solomon was wise. I already told you that. He had an unbelievable amount of wisdom. However, godly wisdom and worldly wisdom are two different things. Solomon had a lot of wisdom, but he started listening to worldly wisdom. He is the leader of the nation of Israel. Listen, it is really smart. It is really smart, according to human wisdom to marry foreign princesses. If I marry the Moabite princess, the Moabites won't attack me. If I marry the Hittite princess, the Hittites won't attack us. If I bring foreign women from those nations into my court, we're not gonna be attacked by them. I'm forging alliances through marriage. That's what he was doing. He was listening to worldly wisdom. It made sense on paper. However, listen, worldly wisdom and godly wisdom are two different things. Because notice verse two, ready? 
They were from nations. These are his wives. They were from nations about which the Lord had told. Listen, look at that. Had told. This is in the past. God had already spoken about this. This was in the past. They were from the nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them. Why? Is this racism? Xenophobia? No, has nothing to do with either. Listen, there's a reason for this. You must not intermarry with these nations. Why? Because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Now notice that word. They will surely. This is 100% from God saying, listen, they will turn your hearts. It will happen. But somewhere in that, Moses knew all this, had the wisdom, had the understanding, had the advisors, had the priests. Everyone knew this command. And he knew the words of God that said, surely this will happen. And Solomon thought, not to me. Not to me. I'll never drift. Look at my resume. Look what I got going for me. I'm not going to drift. How do I know that he thought, no, not me, because of the next word. God says, surely this will happen. Nevertheless, nevertheless, there's a lot of times in our life when God tells us to live this way or live that way, and we go contrary to what he says. We know the warning. We know why not. We know we shouldn't. We know there's consequences, but nevertheless, we just do it anyways, right? Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. God says, surely this will happen. He says, not me. He goes ahead and marries them. And then what happens? Verse four, as Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods. Just like God said, this will surely happen. It happened. Again, this is not a talk about dating somebody who's a believer, although you certainly do need to do that. It's not a talk about marrying somebody who's a believer, although you do need to do that. Listen, this is a talk about this. The process is always the same. We say, it won't happen to me. I'm not going to drift. And we take a break and we just start drifting. And it's so imperceptible that we can't even notice it while it's happening. In fact, it's so imperceptible that most of the people who love us don't know that it's happening until we've really turned and really gone off path. And then all of a sudden they start to catch on. But the truth is we've been drifting for a long time and it could happen to you this summer. Here's what I want you to see. At every moment of our lives, it'll be on the screen, we are either moving closer to God or we are growing further from him. That's it. That's it. That's your two options. Where are you at? Are you moving closer or are you growing further? There is no neutral. It's either forward or backward. It's never standing still. This summer, you need a break. Take a break. But know this, don't take a break from your relationship with the Lord. You'll begin to drift. When you look at this passage and when you think through this, I want to challenge you with four things and we're done. We're going to go real quick through them. Ready? Number one is this. You need to, while you're going through the summer and the break that you need, you need to obey God's word. Listen, if, the, if it is true that at every moment we are either growing closer to the Lord or further away from him, you will get to either destination more quickly, depending on how you treat God's word. You will never grow closer to the Lord if you are actively disobeying him. It's an impossibility. If there's areas of my life that are sinful and I keep engaging in those areas of my life, I am growing further and distant and cold toward the Lord. You need to be in the word throughout the summer and obey what he shows you. Obey God's word. It is so simple. 
So simple of a concept and yet so difficult for us to do. We have to obey God's word. We can't live contrary to it and grow closer. It just doesn't make any sense. Number two, we have to know our weaknesses. Listen, for Solomon, he had a big, fat, blind spot in his life. He did not know that his undoing was women. He was not wise to his weakness. He didn't see it coming. And so he put himself in a situation that then they were able to steer his heart away from God. You have to know your weaknesses. For some of you, wherever you're going this summer, whether you're staying here or leaving, listen, for some of you, knowing your weaknesses means this, I should not hang out with that person. Because every time I'm with them, that's knowing your weaknesses. Or I should not hang out with those people. Because every time, that's knowing your weakness. Or I should not go there. Because every time I go there, that's knowing your weakness. Or for some of you, I should not be alone or isolated for huge amounts of time. Because every time I do, you got to know your weaknesses and then say, Lord, these are the weak areas of my life. Give me some accountability. Let me walk with some people through those areas of my life. Let me not isolate or let me steer clear of whatever it takes. But you say, I know my weakness. I'm going to avoid the area of my life where I'm weak. I'm just going to do that. Right? So we have to, number one, obey God's word. Number two, we have to know our weaknesses. Number three, we have to be careful who we walk with. Be careful. Over the next couple months, as you all kind of scatter and go your way. And by the way, if you're here in town, we're going to keep the bridge going throughout the summer. So hope to see you. But if you're not here, just know this, be careful who you're walking with. Proverbs 13, 20 says this, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. You walk with the wise, you become wise. Walk with a bunch of fools, you suffer harm. Listen, we all believe, no, 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 hold on, hold on. I, I, no one influences me. Like I'm so, you know, like cool and what and you know, like we don't even use that word anymore, but I'm so like strong and like I influence everybody else, but no one influences me. Listen, that's not true. Every single human being on the face of the earth is influenced by the people they walk with. Every single one. You walk with wise people, you grow in wisdom. You walk with foolish people, you start feeling the harm of that choice. Now, you know the craziest part of that verse right there? You know what's crazy about that verse? Oh, why does it say, oh, I messed up with the S, my bad. You know what's the craziest part of that verse? Here's the craziest part of that verse. You know who wrote it? Solomon. Solomon wrote the verse. And then we find out in 1 Kings chapter 11 that Solomon drifted away. It's as if he was saying, as he's writing this proverb, this is true for all of you. However, when it comes to these 700 women I'm about to marry, not true for me. Not true for me. Listen, it's true for every single one of us. We are not able to walk with people and not start looking like them. So know and be careful about who you're walking with. And the fact that Solomon wrote this verse should give you a big old fat pause. And that leads to the fourth thing, and that's this. Know that drifting away can happen to anyone. And that includes you. Drifting away from the Lord can happen to anyone, including you. And you go, well, but... Tim, my family, well, Tim, my knowledge, Tim, the resources, or Tim, the accomplishments in my past. Listen, that's just all in your past. It's now about forging forward. It can happen to every single person. Let me tell you this. I believe y'all need a break. We all do. 
We're worn out, we're worn ragged. The world is worn ragged. You need a break. Take a break from the activities in your life you need to take a break from or from the people in your life that you need to take a break from. But do not take a break from walking with the Lord because your heart will begin to drift. And when your heart is drifting, you can make choices that can drastically impact your life that you'll deal with for the rest of your life. Don't drift away. It's possible for you. Listen, when we start a service with baptism and we talk about all the things that God has done, God has done amazing things among the bridge this year. Truly amazing things. It's great. And not just the people that were in the baptistry, but you as well. Some of you have grown by leaps and bounds. We've watched it. You've grown so much. God's done so much in your life, but you need to press on and press forward to what God's going to do next. Do not grow complacent. Do not grow weary Keep plugging away. Don't take a break because you can drift away too. Let me pray for us. Bye.